Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. Dan, Nick, both of you guys back at it. Uh, how excited, guys. We, we finally announced that we're going back to London thanks to XL Tours. I mean, big, big news Friday. Was this a scale of one to ten scenario, Brandon, or, or what? I don't know if ten is enough to really gauge That's the excitement. I, I think Nick will be more excited when he actually gets his passport renewed. Uh, right now we're in murky waters. It's it's in it's in transit apparently. <laughs> I did give uh, myself like three months to be fair. Like this is not. You, you've been tweeting pretty hardcore at your senator though, so just you know that I, might uh, not be that might not be in the cards for you this season. Yeah, l- luckily uh, our our bureaucratic system is so efficient over here, <laughs> and uh, there's no way that I'm not going to have my passport in time. So that's sarcasm for most who don't understand. But yes, as you can tell, overwhelming amount of excitement that we get to go back to London, not once, but twice. And we hope when we do go back to London that we will get to finally meet up with our guest of this episode. Might surprise you, it's not Alex Churchill. Apologies. We're going to reconnect with her next time. But Joe Tweeds, the super sub himself. What is up, Joe? Hey, guys. Yeah, really, really good. 
good to be uh, good to be back on and uh, yeah it, it beats you playing a bit of NBA 2K so yeah I'd much rather talk to you guys than uh, play computer games mm, I don't know I don't know if I would have sacrificed that <laughs> 2K is pretty awesome well I, I do follow the Timberwolves so it's not necessarily the uh, the best team to to play with so I can probably uh, yeah do without them for at least another hour or so up and coming that's what they all say yeah. around these parts yeah. <laughs> all right well um you know kicking it off we want to give some special shout outs to these fine people who left us five star reviews in the itunes store dan who do we have lined up yeah we had a couple here from the u.s store benjamin church mouse got broncos boy karan 2617 riders uh, with a w and a y for instead of an i which pretty cool move there well, riders. Uh, probably like rough. I, I was thinking more like rough riders. Um, <laughs> DMX is a Chelsea fan. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. He, we could really get some X going to give it to you in the background when someone scores. <laughs> we just need to figure out. We just need to figure out who's going to take that mantle. That could be like Bakayoko's. Uh, oh yeah, scoring song. <laughs> oh, that's that's <laughs> perfect. Sure. That's actually that's perfect. Pretty decent, yeah. And then uh, uh, Cameron uh, Wanless, also from the UK store, which our first actual review from uh, all those over in Great Britain in a long time. So uh, thanks for chipping that one in there, too. And as always, leave us a five-star, drop one on iTunes, and we'll uh, give you a shout-out on the next podcast. And then also a special shout-out to Alex on Patreon, who went ahead and, uh, and gave us a small monthly donation. So we appreciate all of that support from everyone. Um, you know, Before we get into the episode, um, I guess we, w- we just want to take a little bit of time and run through this uh, the trip that we have coming on with XL Tours heading to London. Now, as we've said, posted everywhere on social media, if you've missed it, uh, we're going Going back not once but twice. So Nick, the December trip, which will be um, December first through sixth, okay, and we get two matches for this one, don't we? Yeah, and I, okay, so you know, tee this thing off, you know, for the seventy plus odd people who had uh, filled out our survey in the off season, who let us kind of know what they'd be looking for in a trip. Uh, we took all of that information, went straight back to Excel Tours, and was like, all right, can we can we make this happen? You know, I think one of the main things that we talked about was getting two matches in this time, and especially with the Champions League in play, uh, we were able to do that um, for the for the first trip. Um, lockdown we would have december 2nd newcastle at home so a chance to beat rafa in front of uh the home crowd and december 5th would be uh the return leg at letico madrid and diego costa returning to the bridge uh, as a member of athleti uh atleti versus chelsea at home so amazing opportunity there brandon to see a champions league match of that caliber at home well, uh, I think that it's going to be a fantastic setup, especially with uh, those two games, because you also want to see Chelsea win. I mean, that's a that's an important part. Uh, Dan, now the other one you want to see is just the biggest of the biggest matches. <laughs> and in March on the 31st, as we head there, I think we found it. Yeah, it is uh, the pressure cooker trip and not because uh, we'll be under pressure. Uh, but the pressure may be applied by Tottenham Hotspur on March 31st and then potentially a second match with the Champions League, depending upon how far we are going and if Chelsea are drawn at home, could potentially be on April 3rd. So really excellent opportunity to watch uh, perennial runners-up to the league, yeah. Tottenham, 
take on uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, uh, Nicholas. And and for for those who haven't been paying attention, this is an opportunity to extend the the twenty seven year unbeaten streak at home uh, against Spurs. And there have been some very contentious matches there. It should be uh, one of the best atmospheres of the year. Uh, This is a match uh, that I think we've all been kind of having our eyes on, especially as Spurs have uh, continued to improve in the last few years. So, Brandon, very excited about both of these trips. I mean, can can we talk a little bit about how how you'd register for such an experience? Absolutely. You can head on over to our website, londonisbluepodcast.com. You can click the link. Otherwise, um, or yeah, just head to our website. You go there. We've got all the information from there. You choose your trip and then it'll take you to the XL Tours site. From there, you just create your account. Pretty basic. You choose the London is Blue trip one or trip two, whichever one you want. And then you just go from there. Uh, XL Tours also um, provided the feedback we got from you guys are offering payment plans as well. So you can put $500 down now, 500 later, 500 later, you know, whatever it is you need to do until you pay off the trip. So that's another way that you can also be flexible. Um, and then just to give you guys a general gist of what you can expect is when you get to London, we actually are staying in the Chelsea hotel, the millennium and Hawthorne hotel that is attached to Stamford Bridge. It's a four-star hotel in London. It is immaculate. We stayed there last time. Like having your home base at Stamford Bridge is amazing because every time you walk outside, you see the huge pictures of the legends. You see the shed wall. It is the best place to have your home camp. And on top of that, you get to go to matches. We do a live pod. So you get to come hang out with us while we do a live podcast. And we always do a pub meetup with all of our friends, like Stanford Chidge, uh, some journalists that we always hang out with. Uh, Nisar, Joe Tweeds. Tweeds, we're going to get there finally. <laughs> a lot of people you guys just know. So uh, as far as it goes, we know Chelsea is going to redevelop at Stanford Bridge sooner than later. I would highly recommend getting to the bridge this season. If you've never been, look at it, take it all in as it is now. It's going to be a few years until we get to go back to a true Chelsea home. Um, that's how we have it. Go to our website, click the reserve your spot buttons that are everywhere on the website. Get in, ask us questions. We're really responsive. Anything you guys need. So Dan, like your favorite moment of last season when we went, when Chelsea beat Middlesbrough, like what would you say was the highlight of that trip for you? Oh, man, there's so much. I mean, our pub meetup was fantastic. You know, we, we have a lot of great friends uh, across the pond and, you know, getting a chance to, to meet up with them and, and talk about all things Chelsea before the match. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to going back to the Atlas and, and doing that again. I, I know you talked about the location of the hotels. I mean, it definitely makes for easy stumbling around London, uh, not just walking, as uh, I know Nick can attest to. Yeah, well, am I the only drunk person here? I, I remember some some drinks being shared uh, amongst us, but uh, I think my favorite uh, part that wasn't what Dan just mentioned, because certainly that was amazing, was just going to uh, to the Cock Tavern pre-match and, and taking in kind of the full match day experience. You'll get to do that with us this time. Uh, we have a better sense of where things are now that we're now that we're going back for the second time. Uh, it should be an incredible experience, guys. Again, if you have any questions, we have frequently asked questions. We have what's included. Like, everything is listed here. We think it's a really good value. Uh, we're also looking into group flight opportunities should people want to leave from the same spot. 
Uh, we'll come out with that information later and some other sneaky extras will be included as we get closer to the date. So plenty to look forward to come take in a match day with us. We promise that you will not regret it. Uh, Tweeds, obviously you're still here. We'd like to say as someone you've gone to many, many Chelsea matches, anything special that stands out to you getting to go to the matches versus now you are like us, you have to watch them on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the first thing I'd say is if you have the the opportunity to go and see a Chelsea Tottenham game, I mean that that personally that's like a priceless experience. So, um, you know, the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge is always absolutely fantastic. I think the past couple of times we've played there, the games have been quite uh, spicy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for for me personally, that would be the the uh, the kind of yeah, almost like the the these kind of pinnacle of a, of a Chelsea home game would probably be to see us play Spurs. Um, yeah, much much different experience for me this season. Um, obviously, for those who don't know, I'm, I moved to Denmark. I live in Copenhagen now, so I'm more of a uh, an armchair fan than previously. But uh, I still retain my season tickets, which obviously is good. So I'll be going to games over Christmas and uh, definitely be meeting up with you guys during the uh, the sort of March period. So yeah, really really looking forward to that. But it's uh, yeah, you start to miss it a bit more, I think, when you can't go out. Actively. So I think that's been the major thing for me is just the, uh, yeah, the sort of the match day experience, not being able to sort of see the, the same faces and go to the same pubs and just sort of generally have that as part of your, your kind of weekly regime. You sort of miss it when you're not there. So definitely, yeah, if you have the opportunity to, to go, um, both both December and the, the March fixtures sound fantastic. So definitely recommendation. And, and as you guys said, you know, Stanford Bridge may not be the same, um, you know, either, you know, this next year or the year after, they, they may start with redeveloping it. So it's always nice to get to the uh, the old ground, really, whenever you have the opportunity. So, yeah, I think definitely, I would, would definitely recommend both chips, but I think the, uh, the Tottenham game has potential to be a, a really kind of special moment for, for any Chelsea fan. Awesome. Well, it sounds like we have our first registered person for the March trip. There is. <laughs> I'm there. I'm here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, hit us up. But we got business to take care of, everybody. We gave you a little extra about the trip. Now we're going to give you what you want, which is the Stoke City Review. In case you missed it, it was this past Saturday, September 23rd at the Bet365 Stadium. Chelsea 4, Stoke Nada. Zero, nothing. And uh, we had no correct predictions for this match. A lot of three ones, two nothings, but Chelsea just kind of blew the top off of this one. Um, but I do want to give a special shout out to Steven on Instagram because he nailed the Nottingham Forest prediction midweek. I don't know any of us would have had 5 1, uh, at least from our team. Uh, I know, Nick, you're, you didn't have 5 1. I didn't. Dan didn't. I did not. Um... I didn't. I don't predict matches anymore because it got so bad last season that um, that I, I abstained. But um, shout out to a five-one. I mean that that kind of prediction takes guts and courage, and I respect it. His level of detail is impressive as well. Thinking he's like, look. Uh, I just felt that at the end of the match, when we started putting in some of the younger players, we'd let one in. It was probably just a lucky guess, to be honest. He calls himself the Zappa Costa of scoreline predictions. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, I, it, it was supposed to be a, a, a shot, not a, not a cross. I mean, <laughs> sure. It needs a trademark, that one. Um, all right. Well, Dan, lineup time. Again, more rotations. I feel like this section is going to be a lot more interesting for you this season. 
Yeah, uh, you know, you know, Conte and, and a little bit of squad depth to go a long way to having uh, Morata, Pedro, William Hazard on the bench to start, Alonso, Bakayoko, Conte, Victor Moses, Fabregas gets a, a little rest after some extended period of play. Rudiger Christensen in for Luis, who is uh, suspended after receiving a red card in the last match uh, accumulation. And then uh, Aspilicueta bearing the captain's armband to begin with Thibaut Courtois between the sticks. Willie C, Davide Z, Gary C, Charlie M, and then Mishi B all on the bench uh, in addition to the aforementioned Fabregas and Hazard. So, yeah, Nick, I, I really liked the, uh, the lineup against Stoke. I thought it had some, uh, some midfield steel in there. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. Um, you know, it kind of makes you wonder um, if, if uh, Antonio Conte is just kind of tweaking things a little bit in, in the efforts to kind of nail down what he wants to do against some of these bigger clubs. Uh, bigger matches like Atletico, uh, like Man City coming up next weekend. And just to give those teams a little bit of different tape uh, to review. And, uh, yeah, I think I think the approach to this match was a lot different than what we saw against Arsenal as well. All right. Now on to the goals part of this. Uh, Squawka tweeting out that Chelsea scored with all four of their shots on target versus Stoke. Clinical performance bullseye um we had talked about even against arsenal and in carabag and you know other teams throughout this season not even force and, and and just that chelsea aren't always the most clinical we felt like but there was no doubt about this one all right second minute didn't have to wait long actually missed this uh a little embarrassed to say but dave tamarata again this time it wasn't even a header, Nick. Crazy scenes as Murata puts his first goal away with his feet for Chelsea in the Premier League. Yep, beautiful pass, um, immaculately timed run. Uh, you know, he got in behind the defense uh, and and really, you know, kind of had the goalkeeper one-on-one, just kind of pushed it past him on the right. Great finish, clinical, just what you want. Um on the road in a tough environment um, to uh, to kind of get your match started off on the good foot. And, you know, to see Morata score with his feet, I think that everyone can now breathe a sigh of relief uh, that he has two functioning feet. So that is good. 30th minute, Pedro pounces on an interesting decision by Fletcher to uh, chest it back towards his center backs. Great finish, though, by Pedro Tweeds. I thought for him to be able to pounce, pretty much take a touch, put it right inside the far post. It was a great finish. Yeah, I mean, I think the sort of the standout moment for here wasn't necessarily the finish, although that was absolutely excellent. But if you actually look at Pedro, I mean, he's he's anticipated what Fletcher's going to do. I think before Fletcher even decided that he was going to do it, it was a really, really intelligent play. I mean, he's already sort of moving towards the goal before Fletcher's probably really taken notice of what's going on. And yeah, I mean, someone asked me the other day, was this better a better finish than his goal versus Everton? And I think the while the Everton goal was a screamer, I think the difficulty of this was was a lot hard, uh, a lot harder sort of you know flashing it across the goalie with his white foot but uh, yeah a really really exceptional finish and I think you know really capitalised on the piece of intelligent play from Pedro alright well let's see um, next one up is we are back to Murata again this time the assist from Bakayoko and by assist I mean pass it to Murata in midfield and watch him run three Stoke players in defence blows by all of them and then the this finish to me was pure class. I mean, yep. Morata just showed off 
his abilities of taking a 50 yard solo run and Dan like finish it for me. It's just, it was mind blowing how good this was. Oh, and he had had a similar run down the flank a little earlier in the match too. So this time he was actually able to, to just kind of really chip it past button there and was silky smooth. And definitely his FIFA card is probably going to get a nice little notch up. I'm, I'm sure he'll <laughs> get a, an early FIFA player of the week uh, since that drops this week. And uh, yeah, I just beautiful, beautiful goal. And uh, you know, it kind of rounds the back of the net starts tapping on the, the crest and uh, you know, getting all the way supporters uh, really jumping. So it was, it was a, and it, and it, you know, it was the brace and uh, you know, kind of the next one really uh, brought it home. You're right. 82nd minute. We got even more Dave plus Murata this time though. Dave is actually in the box as he had been moved to wing back at this point. Uh, he probably could have attempted his own shot, uh, but instead he decided to chest it into the path of Murata who was able to um, slide it in for his first Chelsea hat trick in the Premier League. Fantastic stuff from him all around. And not only that, but Tweed's the pass from Fabregas in the first place to Dave, that was magic as well. Yeah, I mean, it's this uh, this sort of formula, which I think is going to work particularly well this season, particularly when you start with Kante and Bakayoko. I mean, you effectively, you sort of run the uh, the sort of the will to play out of the team for sort of 70 minutes. So then once you've, you've got kind of a tired team, Fabregas comes on and, it, and we I think everyone knows that if you put Fabregas in space and give him time you know he could you know he can find anyone with a pass anywhere in the world it seems so he's such a talented passer of the ball and ridiculous pass to uh, to Aspilicueta who again you know I mean he's he's playing right centre back slots in seamlessly as a left wing back comes around the back sort of around that sort of byline area lovely little uh, chest pass although I, I would have liked to see him take a header but you know I think he was maybe teeing up Morata but yeah and, you know, Morata again, right place, right time, which is always one of my favourite things for, for strikers. It's, it's always great seeing them score these fantastic finishes and fantastic goals. But it's sort of those kind of sort of gritty ones where they're in sort of the, the penalty area and they're, they're sort of connecting with their studs. It's always nice to see that he's got that positional sense as well. So, yeah, really fantastic goal. And I think from Morata's perspective, uh, rounded off a game where he was uh, pretty unplayable. Uh, you know what? It was probably some really good timing as well with the uh, the recent announcement of Diego Costa. So, you know, digging into this match, Morata's the man. Absolutely. But we would like to spare a minute of thought for the departure of Diego Costa. Uh, we put it out there. Do you love him or hate him? And a lot of love overall for the guy, but agreeance that it's probably time to move on. You know, I mean, this is only the third year in a row he's asked to go back to Atletico. He finally <laughs> got it. Um, but today was all about Chelsea's new Spanish striker, Hetrick Morata. Uh, some funny tweets as well, Dan, about Morata, uh, you know, coming off the top and people wondering, like, is he like the... I don't know. I guess, is he exactly what we thought we were getting in the summer or is he maybe even better? Because people, he's never started before in a full season, but it seems like he's taking on that burden quite well. Yeah, yeah and all about the, the adaption period to the Premier League and, and the physicality there. Um, that, you know, that question was from uh, from Raymond that you just read out. I, I actually like the question we got on Instagram a little bit more from Big Red 56 who asked, could 100 duck-sized horses stop Murata? What about one horse-sized duck? And uh, Nick, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, would he be able to stop <laughs> one horse-sized duck? 
would be really crazy. I was flapping all around. Yeah, the physics of that just, uh, wow. Um, look, I'm probably, uh, after yesterday, I'm going to go with neither could stop Murata, but I would bet more money on the horse-sized duck. Controversial. Yeah, I know. This is the kind of really uh, intelligent insight you get from the London is Blue podcast. Well, you're always going to get Murata to Diego Costa comparisons. We talked about it uh, in the Carabag match. Um, and, and now we're already here saying Alvin Murata has now scored as many Premier League hat tricks for Chelsea as Diego Costa. The perfect replacement. And I guess that's what I want to talk about a little bit is, you know, the way you see it yesterday, Nick, uh, the big discussion always, do we want the big burly striker Lukaku or do we want Murata who, you know, is maybe a little more well-rounded and a little more fluid of a player? I mean, I, I hate to, you know, it's, we begin to these all or nothing discussions a ton on the show. And that's primarily because that's, I think how a lot of people think, um, and, that, and that's not bad. I uh, just, you know, it's it's difficult to say. I think like when we played Arsenal, his approach was not uh, nearly physical enough to to kind of handle what they were doing to him in the back. You know, he's going to grow into that aspect. But what he has, and what I what I continue to be amazed by, uh, is his footwork and his intelligence with runs. I mean, we've seen a couple of runs that haven't even come close to a defender seeing it before he's already there. And I think, you know, even the, the first goal today uh, was, was an example of that. So, you know, I think it, it's matchup dependent, but overall I'm, I'm very, very, very happy that we have Murata and, and not someone else. Tweeds, what about you? What stands out the most or that you appreciate the most about Murata? Oh, a tough one. Um, I think, I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I didn't realize he had this kind of pace that he has. Um, you know, I'm not going to go and say that he's like Alabama Yang quick, but I mean, he, he has some, you know, really, really quick change of pace and whether it's just his ability to accelerate. But I think that that's been quite surprising. But I, I think overall, he's just, his overall game has, has really impressed me. Um, you know, the comparison I got from a lot of older Chelsea fans, sort of my dad and a few of my uncles have made is with Peter Osgood, who was sort of a taller striker, um, but having you know incredible technique, incredible footwork. Um, I think some of his finishing has been has been incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, just a really, I think quite. I'm, I'm quite surprised in general, really, with, with how well he's settled. I think the uh, the only criticism I would have of him, and, and I would caveat this with, I still think he maybe needs maybe three to six months to fully adapt to the Premier League. But it's the it's his interpretation of refereeing rules. So I think during the Arsenal game and maybe against Tottenham where their centre-backs are being a bit more physical. I think sometimes he's expecting the, the foul to be given for, for sort of minuscule pieces of contact, which he probably would get at Real Madrid or Juventus, um, just, to, just to be a bit more stronger sometimes when he's receiving the ball, because he's got the frame. You know, he's, he's a very, very big, big footballer, very athletic, very powerful when he wants to be. I mean, you can see that when he attacks the ball. Um, but I think it's just getting an understanding of the Premier League, particularly maybe just to do with the refereeing. Once he finds that that kind of strength, that kind of ability to to stand up and, and hold off challenges, I mean, I, I think really, I mean, you look at sort of £70 million that we paid for him, that to me could be an absolute bargain when you've got players going for three times that. Um, the one thing that I would like to see, I, I would love to see him score against City or, or Atletico. What I don't want, and, and this is a thing that I would say probably in comparison to Costa, is that 
I think Morata will probably score maybe more goals than Costa in a season. But if we go back to that start, I think Costa's goals last season were worth 15 points. Costa always seemed to score important goals and he always seemed to score against Arsenal, Tottenham, United, City, etc. He'd always sort of save a performance for those bigger clubs. So if Morata starts, you know, sort of doing the similar kind of things you've seen in some of these recent games against City, Atletico, etc. You know, £70 million looks an absolute bargain for him. But yeah, hugely, hugely impressed. And I think the scary thing with, with him in particular is that if you look at the physical aspect of the game, I think there's so much more, more from him to come. He's got the pace, he's got the intelligence, he's got the touch, he can finish off both feet. He's probably the best person we've had in the air since Drogba. Um, you know, and I'm looking back at some of the Chelsea strikers that I've grown up with. I think Morat can, can easily be uh, on par with some of them. And, and his age as well. I think he's, what, 23, is he? You know, he's got the, probably the best years of his career ahead of him. And I always think the biggest testament um, of a player is when they leave a club. When you look at how Real Madrid are doing this season, um, I think maybe we probably underestimated the role that he played in their squad last season. The ability to come in and deputise for someone as good as Ronaldo. People often saw it as a, you know, he was more of a super sub rather than a starter. But, but maybe he's always had starter potential. He's just never had the ability to show it. So, yeah, really, really, I think impressed of him so far. I think there's a lot more to come. And I think the other thing as well is he hasn't really played with Hazard that much so far. So, I think once those two get that sort of connection, um, you know, I think he's he's going to be a fantastic player. Potentially, potentially could be top scorer in the league this season. That would be fantastic. And obviously helping him out is, uh, you know, Azpilicueta. Uh, Azpilicueta to Morata is the most common assist to score combo in Europe's top five leagues this season. And so obviously he's making a connection with Azpilicueta. I'm sure he's going to have no problem making a connection with Hazard as, as well, Tweeds. Brandon, yeah. Brandon, really quick. Do you mean Cesar assist Pilicueta or is that? <laughs> You're really going to run you that didn't one into the ground, it. aren't you? No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it later in our man of the match ball too. But I'm just wondering if that's who you're talking about. Yes, uh, Cesar assist Piloqueta. I say it, Brandon. <laughs> say it right now. I love the tumbleweed factor there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, Cesar assist Piloqueta is very original and well done, Nick. And it, it just Thank might you. catch on. It just might. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to add in on the uh, the Murata discussion or, may, or maybe the, the assist Piloqueta discussion? No, you know, just, uh, we, we, we did say we would spare a single moment of thought for uh, the, the, the vagabond, the swashbuckler, the you know, departing down the left-hand side of the road on his jet ski with dog in hand, <laughs> flying towards the sunny beaches uh, of Spain. Uh, we will miss you for all the wonderment you gave us and hate you for all the things that uh, broke our heart. Diego Costa, goodbye. Uh, we, we, uh, our hearts belong to Alvaro Morata now. It's uh, surprisingly good timing that uh, he's going to Atletico but won't face us until the like later, later knockout rounds, potentially. That seems to have worked out quite well after that Champions League well, draw. And, and, and you know that, uh, like, honestly, you know that UEFA will draw that later on if, if they can manage it because... You know, their their randomized draw is obviously not random. <laughs> uh, but, but 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 Nick, like that that's that's supposed to not be the case. No, and and it shouldn't be, Dan. <laughs> however, however, I think when you see some of the repeat matchups year after year after year after year to build drama, uh, it's it would be hard for me to say uh, without a shadow of a doubt that there was maybe some uh, some some rigging of the system involved. Is it? 
Is that why Byron and Arsenal still matched, even though Arsenal was out of the Champions League? <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news uh, is at least we won't have to play PSG this season because, you know, like Barcelona, and they can have that matchup now, not us after all. Um, my another one I want to dig into is, is the midfield partnership. So obviously, as mentioned earlier, Bakayoko and Kante started in the middle tweeds um before the match i'm pretty sure you tweeted out you thought this was our best lineup except yes adding hazard do you still think that is the case and what do you make of this baka yoko kante french power fortress in the middle so i mean i, I think there's there's kind of two schools of hoops that, that i have we have kind of a, the the team that i would suggest playing against maybe a top six opponent or maybe in europe um then there's there's kind of the week-to-week team i think the week-to-week team really Bakayoko and Kante I think what we kind of saw throughout the game was was they gradually just wore Stoke down um, you know there'll be similar types of opponents that we play and I think once you kind of wear these kinds of teams down I think it makes sense to then introduce someone like Fabregas because you know tired legs you just bring him on for 15-20 minutes I mean he did it kind of at times last season and he's done it sort of this season as well he can rip teams apart in that sort of period of time particularly if you're if you're chasing a goal or you're trying to get a bit of control in the game so yeah I mean I, I still think personally that, that that's probably our best combination um, you do lose some fluency in the team I think we probably saw maybe the first half although we were 2-0 up I didn't necessarily think that we were playing that well um, but I think that also comes down to I think Moses and, and uh, Alonso didn't have the best games providing wit for support particularly uh, on Alonso's side so I think that, that also does play into it a bit but yeah I mean they ha- you know they both have the athletic capacity to get up and down the pitch I think what we're seeing from Becca Yoko from different from his Monaco days is that he's not just there to protect for their you know sort of 17 players that they would throw forward sort of every attack he's more of kind of been given this role to, to attack and drive forward with the ball very very reminiscent of, of Patrick Vieira for me in his prime the ability to just pick the ball up and take sort of three or four paces and, and almost be clear of the entire midfield so I definitely think they're the strongest uh, pairing that we have but um, I think probably again if you're talking about our absolute strongest team I think realistically that's probably going to be in the 3-5-2 that we've seen this season um, probably with uh, with Fabregas dropping into midfield and I'd actually shift Azpilicueta out to, to right wing back and bring Luis in next to uh, Christensen in the defence so pretty much the, the usual team but I think we'll, we'll probably have a lot of horses for courses this season Interesting Well I mean dig into it Nick what do you think about at least the midfield partnership as well? I, I mean, I I would agree with Joe that I I do think that three man midfield is is where you know we're going to start to see a ton of activity and joy from. Uh, you know, you could even see yesterday, Fabregas playing with those two behind him, not having to worry as much about uh, positional responsibility. Uh, he's able to float all over the place, and then the interchange with Hazard, Murata, uh, whoever's coming in for the right is crazy uh the opportunities are crazy i think from an overall lineup standpoint the the 352 is probably where we're going to do the business i mean hazard just gives such a different look as part of the two than william or, or pedro can or or you know whatever um moving forward so i would agree that you know that's probably the look although i i'm not i'm not convinced with dave at right wing back i would keep him uh, as a center back and if if needed um you know and, and let's just say that Bakayoko or Ingola Conte is hurt then I would move uh Louise back into the midfield and play Christensen at the back because I feel like Rudiger Christensen 
uh, Louise, Kale, any of them can play in the back line, but Louise has a special gift in, in some of those big matches um, to, to play to play a little more more advanced and, and provide some uh, some power. So, yeah, I think I think there's plenty of possibilities there, Dan. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we kept on banging the drum about squad depth at the beginning of the season, and now we're flush with permutations that we can kind of put together because of some of the general footballing acumen that players like Luis have. Uh, to your point, Nick, you know, I, I do like the idea of the, the five-man midfield and Fabregas dropping in back there to kind of pull the strings on play, buffered by... Bakayoko and Conte, who literally can just, you know, it's like they're the tornado around the Tasmanian devil moving forward. Um, and in the middle of that cloud is Cesc Fabregas pinging balls forward to uh, Murata and to Hazard. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Madrid next week. I'm excited for Man City. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with some, you know, hopefully uh, interesting lineups that uh, produce some, uh, some three-point victories. I think that three five two, especially late in the match, I mean that is that is dangerous, and I think that's what we got a little bit of glimpse of today. Um, what about Alonso? So we we mentioned him a little bit just now. No, tweets did. Obviously, he had a rough twelve minute spell yesterday. Uh, some of it was his fault. Some of it was the match and just the way things were going. Uh, but I personally, I think it was a bit of a one-off because we really haven't seen anything like that from him before. But uh, I did go back and Alonzo already has three yellow cards this season compared to only two all of last season. Now, again, I don't think it's a big deal, but what do you think, Nick, about, I guess, Alonzo in that moment and overall? Yeah, I, I tweeted this from our account yesterday that uh, he just had a really shit game. Um, and and look, he hasn't had a ton of shit games for us. I think this is a rarity. But, yeah, he, he was just on one. He, he got he got something in his head, you know, made a, a bad challenge. And then, you know, I think was was maybe a, a minute away from from getting a second yellow. And I, I, I don't really think that Antonio Conte had any choice but to, you know, sub him off before he did something stupid and, and got us another red card, um, which, you know, is at, at two nil up is, is, you know, a dangerous place to be. Um, so yeah, unfortunate for, for him that he kind of lost his head yesterday because he's usually a pretty calm, uh, calm influence in the squad, but he, he just didn't really play that well. You know, I think that, uh, you know, Stoke tried to overrun on the wings and, and try and get balls in. And uh, I didn't really see him with a ton of joy moving forward either, Joe. Um, it just kind of looked to me like he he just wasn't wasn't in a really great headspace. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to be too harsh on him, but he's, he's not my my favorite player in the team. I think that's probably been the case for a little while. I think, again, you know, wonderful set piece taker, but I do think he's, he's quite limited um, in terms of what he can and can't do. I, my major, major, major concern with him is if you put him up against any sort of winger that has pace and is direct. I'm not sure who was playing wide. Was it Juve or something like that yesterday? Yeah, I felt particularly, yeah, particularly first half, he was, he was all at sea. You know, he kept sort of twisting inside and outside and they were getting a lot of joy sort of attacking down that, that sort of left-hand side. Um, and, and even going forward, I mean, I, I don't see him 
see him overlapping. I don't see him sort of beating players one-on-one and getting a cross in. And I think one of the things I tweeted a little while ago was that for someone who obviously has such a fantastic left foot, I mean, I, I can't remember him completing a cross this season to someone. I mean, that, that for me is is really what, what the sort of the wing-backs are there to do is to almost be kind of the, uh, yeah, I mean, the major source of width in the team. We play with inside forwards, so Hazard and uh, Pedro and William are more kind of in that sort of width for the penalty area space. And that whole entire space out wide, I think that's where where Moses at least gets forward. But I, I never really see that from Alonso. And I think ultimately, again, you know, there's a quite significant reason why we spent most of the summer trying to sign Alexandre was that Sandro does does attack down the line. He does provide Whitfield. He can take players on one and one. He's got pace and he can defend a bit better. Well, he can defend a lot better than Alonso. So, you know, I, I'm not saying he's 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 been a bad player or that this is a you know, a, a particularly bad game for him. But I, I just see when he plays, you know, I think teams have have got like a year's worth of data and analysis on him now. And you, you'll probably see more and more teams putting, uh, you know, players with pace and, and directness on him because he does struggle. You know, it's uh, it's not necessarily the, the biggest, uh, you know, secret in the world to see that a lot of teams do have, a, have attacked him this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the patch yesterday, I mean, I think... Uh, one of the comments I can see here is, that, you know, he he almost looked like he was trying to get himself sent off at times. You know, he's he's committed a foul, and then I think he's he's done the you know, even the the, the throw, which was quite clearly not throwing. He's he's taken that. I've seen players get booked for that as well. So, yeah, definitely definitely lost his head, which is not something that you that you do associate with him. He's normally quite a calm player, but yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not hugely hugely sold on him, and I'm, I'm still fairly uh, disappointed that we. I mean, we didn't bring in any kind of competition at all. I'm not you know necessarily looking at someone of Sandro's ability, but, you know, not even a, a sort of a, anyone really to come and try to compete with him. You've got Kennedy, obviously, who, you know, is, is entirely different, maybe isn't as solid or knows the role as well, but, you know, against um, Karabakh, he definitely, sorry, Forrest during the week, um, you know, he, he overlaps, he provides a kind of width that you would like from that position. And I just want to see Alonso be a bit more attack-minded at times because, you know, he does have this absolutely wonderful left foot, but... I mean, again, if I mean, if you can pick out you know two or three crosses he's put in this season that have led to really good chances, I personally can't think of them. Um, I would love to just see him in that in that kind of area more, using using what he's got in terms of his ability. But yeah, you know, I didn't think it was a fantastic game from him. You know, I think Conte pretty much was right was, was within his rights to bring him off. I don't necessarily believe Conte was saying that it wasn't a tactical decision or it wasn't a it was a decision not to get um, Alonso sent off that it was tactical. But uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, I, I hope that it doesn't become a trend that, that teams see uh, see Alonso as this sort of uh, weakness because you know he. If you've got someone of of Juve's ability, you know he's not necessarily the best player player in the Premier League. He's just quick. You know, the ability to sort of twist and turn Alonso pretty much at will. Um, I, I, I kind of dread what to, what to think of when we sort of get further into Europe and play some of these teams who have got sort of world-class wide men. Um, you know, a lot of people looked at last season and, and saw Alonso as a, a really, really good signing, although it was kind of last minute, but I'm still completely, uh, I'm not completely sold on him as a, as a first-team player. I have slightly ranted on him there, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's one of these players that I'm not hugely sold on and, and still, yeah, was, was quite disappointed that we don't really have any competition in at all, apart from maybe Espilicueta, who <laughs> can apparently play everywhere on the pitch at once. So, um, yeah. So, it'll, be, right. it'll be fun to watch Aspilicueta or Aspilicrosseta, um, whatever we want to call him. <laughs> Come on. That's bad, yeah. It's, it's not as good as, as was it Aspilicueta. Yeah, it's Aspilicueta. Guys, we have to start the movement here. It's Aspilicueta. Get get it out. Tell your friends. Make, make T-shirts and bumper stickers. 
I will say where where Alonzo was lucky is uh, a few times Rudiger did did have an opportunity to bail him out, uh, especially as Doof you know did kind of get him to do the uh, the hokey pokey and turn <laughs> Alonzo all about. Uh, thankfully, uh, and then Christensen too provided some support to him as well. So I definitely feel like he was uh, to your point there, Joe, stranded uh, quite frequently in the match. But Rudiger's looked really good. In, in, on the other side of thing, I think I think Rudiger's looked fantastic. Um, you know, I think he he had a few minor issues with Harry Kane the first sort of time he turned up. But uh, I think largely again, I, you know, he's he's been a player that's really really impressed me. And I think again, you know, for someone who um, has had a was he had an ACL or an MCL, he's had some pretty horrific knee injury. I don't think you would be able to tell. He's so athletic and powerful. And yeah, I think Alonso definitely owes him a beer after the game yesterday. Well, as you guys kind of pointed out, I think Mike Dean had one really good opportunity to send Alonzo off when he kind of caught Doof from behind as he's trying to turn, uh, and he didn't. And I, I'm biased, but I think that he did take a moment, think through things, and made a rational decision of saying, like, I know this player is going through a really tough 10 minutes. Um, I'm going to you know, not send him off in this situation, which is something that hasn't been going. Referees have been throwing cards uh, quite often this yeah. season. But then you get into the crouch tackle on Fabregas at the end of the match. Oh, God. Where, yeah. it, you know, it's like... I saw a great thing from a referee and then we saw that and he was quick with the yellow, but maybe again, he should have taken a second and thought through it because I know we get the benefit of replays, but man, how do you not see seven and a half feet of Peter Crouch at Fabregas's knee? It's it's uh, all it's almost an it's almost an identical tackle to what Luis did last week. Like almost identical, except that Crouch went up even higher and hit Seth's uh, knee, like right yeah. below his knee, which is unfathomable. If that isn't a red card, I, I don't know what is anymore. And and to me, if if Crouch is wearing a blue shirt there that says Chelsea on it, it's a red automatically because for whatever reason we're getting disciplined at a rate that most other teams are not, and I can't understand for the life of me. You know, fine. Alonzo probably should have been sent off. Uh, you know, you got me there, Stoke fans. But holy hell, man, like that is a red card. That's a reckless challenge. That's a three-match ban for Crouch, who had been on the field for probably eight minutes at that point. I mean, not not good. And you, you just you don't understand what the hell is going on with referees right now. Where do you think it goes from here, uh, you know, as far as – you know, the overall discipline of the team, just real quick, like, are you guys concerned, like, yes, no, of the fact that we were so disciplined last season and we're starting to see some wobbles this season, Dan? Uh, so, you know, to the point that Nick was making there, uh, you know, there are only three teams with more uh, cards than us right now, which is uh, Crystal Palace with 15 yellow cards, um, Newcastle and West Ham both tied with 13, and then uh, kind of bunches up for what we would consider a tie for fourth place. Uh, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Man City all on 12 as well. So uh, Breithove, uh, Albion, has uh, has five. So uh, credit to some uh, wonderfully disciplined promoted sides that uh, may not see um, the Premier League into next season. But, uh, yeah, I think you know, mildly concerning. Tweeds, what about you? Concerned on a discipline issue? 
I kind of am and I'm not really. Um, I think that the main concern for me is just, just the consistency of the application of rules that we've seen this season. I mean, you look at the, you go from sort of the Mane decision, I think there were, I don't know if it was in our game or another game where effectively exactly the same thing happened. I know someone got booked for, for trying an overhead kick, trying to score, which seemed really, really strange. Um, Louise got booked sorry, yeah, for, the, uh, for trying to do an overhead kick against Arsenal. So, you know, I'll be saying that, that any time someone tries to kick the ball and it's a little bit off the ground, that we're now saying that's a red card. You know, the, the, the crouch thing was, was just insane. Um, you know, and it's one of them things where it looked bad live and then when you saw the replay of it, um, I mean, I think there's a photo doing around on Twitter where, you know, Crouch is, is, boot, is, is sort of buried into Fabregas' knee and, and the ball isn't anywhere to be seen. You know, it's, it's that late and high. Um, and yet it's a yellow card. And, you know, you make the point that Louise got sent off for a very similar tackle. Cahill against Burnley. You know, again, very similar um, challenge and, and got a red card. So, you know, I, I don't know whether to be concerned about the fact that we're getting picked up by referees or whether the referees are just sort of ignoring certain challenges against us and it's, it's not such a sort of huge tinfoil hat wearing exercise where the world is against Chelsea but I mean you know, we've we've seen that challenge from a Chelsea player you know maybe 10-15 times in the past and I'd say 99% of those have resulted in a red card so you know I don't think it really would have had any impact on the game at that point that, that you know if Crouch would have been sent off or whatever but it just seems a very very strange set of decisions uh, that we've seen this season and you know as I said as long as the referees are consistent you know I'm, I'm quite happy to say you know certain instances Chelsea players deserve to get sent off and when we get red cards they deserve but when you see something happen like that and you know for a fact that, that you know if, if Louise or Rudiger or Cahill or anyone in the Chelsea team would have done a similar tackle 100% they would have got sent off and also I think it points to the sort of the whole honesty thing I think Fabregas really did him a favour he jumped up quite quickly um, from the ground whereas you know maybe if he would have you know, screamed like a pig and rolled around for sort of 20 minutes he might have got sent off so you know again maybe Fabregas is being too too honest there you know in terms of his reaction to the referee because if you jump up quickly it doesn't seem as bad although you know as I said it's still a horrific challenge so yeah I, I, you know, no no real concerns I just want the consistency to be there um, I think if the referees become consistent then and, you know, we're still seeing our players get sent off every other game and I think we have an issue but I think that the referees need to kind of sort themselves out a bit first. All right, Nick, what about you? Discipline. I'm I'm way more concerned with with our players. Um, we've seen we've seen some hotheads early in the season, um, and I know that Antonio Conte demands passion, you know, and and you know the ability to kind of make that into a. Uh, a positive for the team, but I've seen the, the passion kind of go the other way too. Um, and I think Alonzo yesterday just couldn't get out of his own head, um, which is, you know, I mean, if you're playing a big match, you're playing Real Madrid or you're playing Atletico Madrid at midweek or you're playing Man City at the weekend, I mean, that's, uh, you can't have it, you know, flat out. I mean, you can beat Stoke, you know, but it, you, you look, you kind of project out and, and you know that we have this tough September schedule and, just going to be a tough year overall and you have to for the most part keep your head um and you know i'm I'm wondering if maybe there's some some training exercises that antonio conte is running where he's throwing players into uncomfortable positions and seeing how they react because uh it's been uncharacteristic for you know from what we saw last year 
All right, let us know what you guys think on social media. Really interested to hear kind of what everyone else's thoughts are on the team's discipline, especially because of just how different it was to last season. So again, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email us as well. Drop a note on the website. Uh, but any other thoughts on this? I mean, I, tweets, I'm sure that you want to talk a little bit about the Danish prince and his impressive performance. <laughs> Squawka tweeting out that he attempted 78 passes, completed 75 of them. And as you look at this, essentially the ones he didn't complete are ones where he's trying to jumpstart a counterattack or play someone in over the top. Yeah, I mean, I could probably spend half an hour talking about him, to be honest. Um, but, you know, to sort of keep things fairly, fairly brief, I think what's been the most impressive aspects about him so far has just been his ability to to kind of settle himself into the team by doing things very simple. Now, for those of you who've maybe watched him for the past two years or seen him play kind of under 21 football for Denmark, you know, this is a guy who can take the ball from the edge of his own penalty area and virtually to the other end of the pitch and play a through ball to someone and they can score. He can hit outside the foot passes around three players that end up with a wing back. I mean, he really has so much more in his uh, in his locker to actually show Chelsea fans in terms of his ability. I mean, he's a fantastic ball-playing centre-half, but... What he has done, and I think this is the most impressive thing, is he's kind of put that to one side and just concentrated on delivering really, really top quality performances as that central back. And, and, you know, what you're seeing is someone who isn't flustered, can play excellently under pressure. You know, his ability to play two-touch football, which, you know, someone passes him the ball and he's, he's getting pressed straight away one touch and the second touch is always a really good pathway to someone is is such an underrated aspect of his game you know he's been fantastic defensively very very different to Louise Louise is more aggressive Louise tries to intercept will try to tackle will be more physical whereas you'll think of uh, Christensen I think he's a fantastic block against Harry Kane at, at Wembley he's more about his positioning and, and being a bit more intelligent and blocking shots and reading things so you know I think he's he's playing the role very differently to Louise but I think really it's a matter of time, maybe not this season, maybe this season, but but over the next two seasons, I think Christensen will take that position in the middle of the uh, of the back three and make it his own. He's got all the ability in the world, I said, on the ball. But I think that the thing that's been impressive is just his his overall intelligence. You know, he's a 21-year-old centre-half. He plays like a 30-year-old. He reminds me of, of Ricky Cavallio, who reminds me of Rio Ferdinand. He's got that just ability to to be so calm and collected in possession and you know I think his, his overall pass completion this season's at 95% he's not giving the ball away you know while he's you know he's, again he's been very very defensively disciplined and he, he's he's the heart of the defence when he plays there and I think that's one of the most impressive things is that he's uh, you know he's playing in a position where he's not he, there's no special help he doesn't get any particular help from anyone it's not like when uh we went to Liverpool and uh, he was the guy Thomas Callas played against Suarez had a really good game but I mean the whole team was set up to, to protect the back four and he looked pretty good but with Christensen he's playing a normal role that, that Conte would ask of any of his experienced players and he's playing it fantastically well um, yeah I, I think you know so so impressed with him you know, anyone really who's seen him play for, for Borussia Mönchengladbach over the past few seasons will say the same you know, excellent player excellent on the ball I think he's been great defensively and all the concerns about him from a physical perspective because he's not the he's not like Louise is, is built and Rudiger is built and Zuma are kind of very built Premier League players. I think Christian's just intelligence is just 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 miles ahead of pretty much anyone else that he plays against and he's not really giving anyone a sniff. He's always there to receive the ball, always in the right position. He's winning his headers, he's winning his tackles when he needs to. But just yeah, just a really really classy player. Um, and again, I think you know a real hopefully. A real success story for the academy. For someone who came here as, at 15 years old, 
um, from from Denmark. You know, three years here, won the the FA Youth Cup, the Under Twenty One Premier League, the you know Champions League equivalent for the youth team. Went out on loan, became Borussia and Gladbach's Player of the Season, Denmark National Talent of the Year, etc. So, you know, he's he's got a foundation. Um, but again, this all comes back to whenever you have conversations about young players, it's about opportunities. And without Cahill getting sent off, or maybe without Louise getting sent off, we might have only seen Christensen play, you know, in a League Cup game, which we're kind of expecting him to cruise in. So, you know, he's he's been fortunate to have the opportunities, but. I think that he's uh, he's definitely stepped up and taken them, and hopefully, you know, going forward, as I said, we can start to see more of this uh, ability on the ball because uh, I think you know once once you start seeing him play these sort of 30, 40 yard passes, you know, then I think you're really going to sort of understand the type of player we have on our hands here. And again, the thing that I always mention is that I think Christensen is the player that a lot of English pundits think John Stones is. You know, he's better defensively, he reads the game better, he's better on the ball. Um, I think just all round a, a better athlete as well. But uh, yeah, a huge, uh, a huge positive, and, and hopefully again, someone who can, who can take the uh, the next mantle of, of centre backs at the club. Probably the best defender we've seen from the academy since uh, since JT. So you know, pretty high praise. But I think he's going to be uh, pretty special. I think a lot of people are high on Christensen, and he's doing himself no no harm with the game time he's getting. Uh, Dan, anything else from this match you want to point out? No, I think, uh, you know, again, lots of uh, credit to Christensen. Murata hat trick was uh, exceptional. And, uh, you know, I really want to hear about uh, in the man of the match poll from Nick, you know, with uh, Assis Pilaqueta. That's right, Dan. <laughs> great, great point. Um, our, man, our man of the match poll, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, 83% went to Murata um, with, with the hat emoji for hat trick. Four uh, percent went to uh, Bacante, which is our new midfield pairing. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, you didn't see that, did you, Brandon? In your face. How about that? Three uh, percent went to Christensen, although you could put Rudiger there as well. I think he was tremendous. And then ten percent went to Dave Assist Villaqueta, which I think, uh, on creativity alone. Uh, I put the cool button by. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you're creating uh, your own your own puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so far I'm doing pretty well. So <laughs> uh, I, I did enjoy the fact that uh, one of our uh, our listeners, Frank, uh, said that they swore to God if you find a way to not give the man the match to Hakuna. Marata, I'll lose it. Oh, that's a really good one too. <laughs> which was really kind of just like notches right in with your uh, your pun uh, pun publicity this week. Hakuna Marata, I love that. That should be the the tune of the song, the new Marata song. That that's fantastic. In case you uh, are unfamiliar, that is a Lion King reference. Uh, worth your time to go check it out. Uh, Shout out to Simone and Pumbaa. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I wonder what the overlap of uh, of Lion King viewer to um, London's Blue Podcast listener is. And uh, we're probably going to find out what the Venn diagram overlap is. <laughs> well, as it stands, uh, Chelsea are still in third place, sitting on 13 points, trailing the two Manchester clubs who are both on 16 points. City edging out United uh, by four more goals, uh, goal difference. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, Tottenham still applying the pressure on 11 points in fourth. Uh, Liverpool starting to regain a little bit of their dignity on 11 points as well at fifth. Um, Arsenal still doing Arsenal. 
They're down in 12th, but they play tomorrow. So, you know, if they were to beat West Brom, which also I think that West Brom is the perfect team to frustrate Arsenal into not getting three points, uh, they could potentially jump up all the way to seventh place. So uh, that's the table as it stands. Uh, and so with this, we're going to do a, I'm just going to give you guys a real quick message uh, from, from XL Tours about the trip. And we come back, we have a bunch of social media questions uh, to run into. So uh, just real quick, um, Nick, XL Tours, man, going to London. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly shout them out. They've been tremendous partners and kind of helping set up our, our trip, um, two trip scenario that we have going on this year. Again, London is podcast.com uh, dash London trip is where you'll find all the details. Uh, payment plans are accessible this year to make that um, process of paying a little bit easier, maybe spread out some payments uh, because we know that, you know, we want to be respectful of everyone's uh, hard earned cash to come and hang out with us. Um, but overall, again, the trip is going to be phenomenal. We promise to have some fun extras included um, in, in kind of the total price that um, that you'll pay. And again, you know, you, you talk to uh, us, you talk to people who went on the trip uh, in the spring uh, to go see Chelsea Middlesbrough. It, it was a tremendous experience and, uh, and we can't wait to go back. And just one more time, it is LondonIsBluePodcast.com slash London Trip. That's where you can get all the information. But Dan, we got to keep rocking on because you know what? We've got, uh, like always, a lot of questions on social media. The first one from Shane kicking us off. Um, what do we have? Uh, he, he did ask, um, you know, two-parter. So yeah, much like our show has multiple parts, his question does as well. Like a little Russian nesting doll. And uh, he asks, you know, what part of the Stoke win has given us the most pleasure? And what do you think is a major key to beating Atletico Madrid? Um, I think to the second part of the question, uh, Hazard being healthy, uh, major key to victory against Atletico Madrid. And then uh, part of the win giving us the most pleasure? Um, man, the, the, the Doe Tweed's uh, monologue on uh, Christensen has me feeling really good about uh, his performance. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. Awesome. All right. What do you think about that, Nick? Uh, most exciting thing that you got out of this match? Uh, most exciting thing out of this match was the last 20 minutes um, where Sesk, Hazard, Murata, Dave interchanged. Uh, I think that is your look of the future. I, I think we're all kind of chomping at the bit to, to have that. Um, as, as a full 90-minute experience. Um, beating Atleti is going to be tough. I think we're going to have to be very solid at the back, um, not make a silly mistake. Um, they're, they're in their brand-new stadium. I'm sure they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. So uh, key to, uh, to getting something out of that match will be to uh, stave them off for the first 30 minutes or so, really grow into the game, and, and hopefully get ourselves a nice counterattacking goal. Tweeds, over to you, man. Uh, favorite bit of the Stoke game was Bakayoko flying into a 50-50 tackle with Joe Allen and absolutely cleaning him out on the edge of the area. Anyone who knows me knows that I have a very big Michael Essien shaped hole in my heart, and I think Bakayoko is uh, is getting very close to starting to feel that again. So yeah, love love seeing that kind of thing. Midfield powerhouses are definitely my thing. So yeah, that was fantastic from Bakayoko and Atletico Madrid. I think three-five-two kind of play our best players and just counter attack. I think let, let Atletico do what they want to do, but if we can counterattack them, I think we might have some joy there. 
Awesome. Well, again, Shane, thank you for being a Patreon supporter. We appreciate it. That's how you guaranteed get your questions in. Uh, Sabrina on Facebook, really interesting kind of discussion around rotation and potential problems coming up. Uh, so she says, rotation wise, we might face a dilemma in midfield without drink water, limiting our rotation options. Should we prioritize the city game over Atletico? She feels like the city match would be a massive mark for us is like real title contenders with a rare opportunity to match city on points. Obviously, you know, they are in fantastic form uh, and a draw Madrid would also be a good result as well. Uh, that means Bakayoko would have to play four consecutive games in less than two weeks. It's problematic. Uh, Dan, what do you think about this? I mean, we thought we had a lot of depth, but midfield is one that we are a little tight until Drinkwater can get healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a bit of a bummer there. And, you know, Bakayoko has obviously been working himself up to fitness. And as much as he's trying to uh, fill a hole in Joe Tweeds' heart over here, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he can fill in uh, 90 uh, grueling minutes uh, against Stoke and then quickly turn around and put it in for Atletico and then go again another 90 and put it in for City. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, Joe, do you feel like that's going to be a, a little bit of an issue with, uh, with Bakayoko? Do you think he'll be able to kind of pull off the back-to-back-to-back? Or you know, think you might see uh, Sesk pop up at uh, some point here? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question. I think, again, one of the things that when we spoke in the summer was about the depth in midfield. And I don't think Drinkwater's uh, injury really has, has helped us in that respect. I, again, you know, I think he would have been pretty useful in summer, like uh, playing in Madrid. You know his uh, his ability to just sort of cover ground would have been really 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 useful. Um, I think Bakayoko has it in him, but it also depends the style of football we're trying to play. If we kind of sit deep and and just look to sort of close off passing lanes and space, I think again you know we could probably do that at Madrid and then have a go at City. But if we're gonna you know play a really sort of kind of expansive counter attacking game where Bakayoko is up and down the pitch, the City impact could be a little bit uh, bit diminished. I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion I, I would. Not necessarily say that we should uh, sort of forgo the the Atletico Madrid game, but I I still think that the Premier League is very winnable this season, um, and I would potentially look to to tailor my team selections to to factor in that I do think that we can win it again. I think the Champions League is very much a, a lottery, and you know, I'd be quite happy if we sort of get out of the group and maybe to sort of the quarterfinals. I think would be a really really good return to the competition, um, considering that you know we've been dumped out by PSG. Um, the sort of past two times we've been in there so yeah I mean I'm looking at as the the game in midweek for you know maybe it's to sort of sit deep and just contain them I'd be really really happy with a point but um, I think the City game of the weekend is the one that I would probably focus my team selection on so potentially uh, you know maybe three five two followed by the uh, the three four three. I don't really know but uh, yeah I mean we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there but definitely has the fitness you know if, and uh, hopefully with Kante playing as well then, then you know he's not really going to be doing all the running so yeah I think, think he should be okay Nick at SP Beal says with Costa gone, who is the new nasty bastard on the team? Yeah, so I, I answered this on Twitter, but I, you know, I do want to give a shout out to my boy SP Beal. Um, I, I think it's now Louise um, and, and not because he's, you know, intentionally kind of, you know, a nasty bastard. Uh, but I think does possess kind of that hot head streak that we've seen. Um, a little bit more this year, which is a little troubling. But uh, him, between him and Bakayoko, I mean, those are two guys I wouldn't be on, want to be on the wrong side of, Dan. I mean, both are both are physical, both can get after you. And as Joe alluded to, uh, Bakayoko is not afraid of a tackle. 
Yeah, I mean, Bakayoko definitely draws a shout uh, in my list. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of a different angle. Uh, he's so nasty, you don't even realize he's doing it. Uh, and Golo Kante. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, I don't, like, he does this thing where he definitely puts in a pretty hard you know, foot. And he immediately throws his hands up occasionally like, I wasn't even there. I didn't touch the guy. <laughs> I think he has got a sneaky, uh, nasty bastard style action going on, and I love every second of it. That is really cheeky of him. But, you know, he tackles so much. Like, I'm sure you know, he's going to clip someone every now and then. But, Tweez, what about you? Oh, I'm going to go slightly left field. The uh, the hero of the Battle of Nottingham Forest, Ethan Ampadu. The, oh, uh, the young Tim Davidoese lookalike. I mean, his his first in, you know introduction to Stamford Bridge was first of all at seventeen, start moaning at everyone, telling people where to stand. But then the second thing was to fly into a tackle like sort of peak Dennis Wise, and I thought, yeah, this kid's definitely got something about him. So, yeah, you know, seventeen year old, but I, I, you know, he was shoulder to shoulder with people. He was getting a bit aggressive, a bit feisty. He's Welsh, so obviously he's got a bit of a bit of Welsh dragon in him. So, yeah, you know, I think he could be the uh, the up and coming. Diego Costa type person but yeah I think he, he probably more of just a uh, a hard player rather than Costa's sort of you know eye scraping eye gouging antics I think Ampadu might just be a little bit of a uh, a tough player that's a great shout I love that one uh, what about this from Factor 7 on Instagram no hazard no problem essentially just asking is do you think or what did you think of the fact that we did need hazard to finish off this game is that a big positive going forward uh, personally I think that it's huge there have been many seasons recently that if hazard didn't show up the rest of the team didn't show up and the fact that Morata is clicking um, Pedro has been able to chip in a bit and Dave is is just setting so much up uh, I think that's a that's a great thing right like I mean Nick if you don't have to be relying on one person I mean that's great yeah and and I think too what it, what it gives your you know your Atleti your Man City some of these bigger clubs that we're playing is it gives them different tape to review um, so they can't just hone in on one guy uh, you know I think Morata's movement's going to cause a lot of uh, defensive coaches uh, to lose sleep. You know, I think that uh, Bakayoko breaking through on some of these counterattacks and, and breaking up field, you know, and just, you know, kind of bulldozing people along the way is going to be a big deal. You know, if Pedro or William can get it the hell together this season, that will be great. Um, you know, besides Pedro's finish and, uh, you know, I think both of them have really lacked quality this year, um, you know, William, especially in the last week. So either one of them can get together. That would be great. And then, you know, you have, you know, the potential of Cess coming on and putting those little dink chips over the top. I mean, and good God, that's impossible to think about, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic to be able to spread the love around. And I don't know, I, you would hope that, you know, our squad can kind of um, – have a different player step up every week, kind of like we did last year, instead of just being reliant on one guy to make something magical happen. Yeah, to share the love, spread the wealth. Uh, the last one from Itanzi on Instagram is, do you think Fabregas can become our Pirlo? I mean, Dan, he did it. Conte did it with the Pirlo at Juventus. I mean, surely he's got that in the back of his mind, right? Oh, I, I think the whole idea of the, the five-man midfield, which we have you know, talked about uh, ad nauseum in this episode, you know, finds a way to provide someone who, you know, does have a, you know, defensive um, 
deficiency when he plays to receive a little of the, of the protection he needs to offer the, you know, a beautiful mind, uh, Russell Crowe mathematical equation moments on the pitch to produce exceptional passes that lead to goals. So, uh, you know, Ted, Ted Nunston's uh, expected goal chain formula would probably be pretty happy with a, a Fabregas-esque Pirlo uh, getting to play a couple more years in, in that system. So uh, I think it's always possible. I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, will, will it always be the best formation option uh, against the opponent we play? All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, continue moving on to the next part, which will be our match preview. Uh, but real quick, want to bring you a message from World Soccer Shop, our sponsor, about the new third kit from Chelsea. Right, Dan? Oh, the new third kit from Chelsea's got that, that cool black and gray camo action with some teal accents there nick and uh, you know i know uh, a couple of uh, our listeners actually already gotten a couple we've seen a couple tweets back at us with them yeah so keep sending them if you if you do order uh and, and get your beautiful customized kit maybe with assist pillow Quetta on the back i mean just throwing that out there oh god um yeah then then you should uh, take a picture and send that to us um go follow world soccer shop on social media too that w- that really helps us out so yeah the funny thing about that is we just got an email from someone asking how they can get their jersey customized with Dave on the back. <laughs> and so maybe after listening <laughs> to this pod, they may change it. But I did tell them, like, World Soccer Shop, you can put whatever you want on the back. It's kind of nice. Assist be the Quaita. You're probably pushing the maximum letter limit <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> probably. They're actually going to hate me for saying that. They're going to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh you could do like a, a SysDP or something, or uh, uh, well, there's probably there's probably a way to, to abbreviate it. Yeah, there, there's always a way. All right, part three match preview time at um, Reese Jones eighty three hitting us up on Instagram. Dan says, "Is this a good or bad time to play Man City next?" Uh, we got we got Atletico Madrid. Oh, yeah, we, we cannot look past that. No, that there's a little action. That's up. true. We, uh, as you guys know, playing Atletico Madrid in uh, Spain in the Champions League midweek. It's uh, it's going to be on Wednesday. Uh, it's this is big. You know, we've uh, already had Carabag at home in Champions League, but going to Atletico Madrid, uh, one of the best teams in Europe traveling, uh, going to Madrid. It's a big game. Uh, obviously, I think, Nick, it was you who talked about they just opened their brand new stadium this season and they played away at Roma for the first match. So this is going to be the first Champions League match in this stadium. Uh, I think it's safe to say that emotions are going to be running high. There's going to be a ton of electricity in the stadium. Uh, it should be pretty crazy. Um, I guess going into this, Tweeds, what are you thinking about our prospects? I know we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe, you know, holding back for this match with Man City right after it. Um, but what do you expect to see out of this one? I think probably first and foremost, this is is really going to be sort of the, the kind of barometer of of where we are as a team. I think you know, a lot has been made of, of of how good we were last season. But, you know, that was obviously with a caveat that we weren't playing in Europe and, and now you sort of go to see a team who pretty much perennially you know European semi-finalists finalists you know the past couple of seasons so all of a sudden you've gone from kind of you know benchmarking your players against those in the Premier League to to now we're going to play one of the most serious teams in Europe so in that respect I'm really looking forward to it I think it will give us a really good uh, estimation of, of probably where we are as a team um, you know it, it could be eye-opening it might not be you know we might really sort of hold our own and, and that would be fantastic but 
personally, I mean, I'm looking really for to take a point here. I think that's really all we, all we would need. Um, be very, very happy with the draw. I would fancy that we would play better um, at home against them. But again, you know, they have a, a, a fantastic team. Um, you know, I think their they're kind of their record really does speak for himself. And, and Simeone, in terms of organisation, is one of the best coaches in, in world football at setting up a, a team. You know, and, and, and they can play, they can defend. Uh, they can do pretty much anything that, that you want to in terms of, of trying to dictate the, the flow of a game. So I think it's going to be really difficult. Um, I'm just hope that we that we turn up and we, we give a good account of ourselves. I think again, you know, we could. This is a game that if Atletico do push us and we nick a goal on the counter attack, we could definitely win the game. Um, I just don't expect us to be massively on the front foot. I think Atletico will will probably dictate play. They'll probably have a lot of the ball. In which case, as I said, I think hopefully if we, if we can counter attack them, um, then we have a good chance. And I think from what we've seen of of Morata in particular, you know, if we can get him through on goal, um, I fancy him to to be able to outpace the uh, Atletico Madrid centre-backs and definitely score and obviously being an ex-Real Madrid player that's quite a big incentive for, for Morata to, to score as well so yeah look, looking forward to the game I think it's going to be a really good you know kind of benchmark of where we are but uh, yeah I would definitely take a draw now but it really does depend on the mentality of, of the team that Conte puts out if we want to counter-attack we could nick the game but uh, yeah I'm kind of under no illusions that this is going to be a really really tough match Simeone has never lost to an English opponent as a coach with three wins and two draws. Uh, and as you talk about it, going all the way back to last season, Atletico are unbeaten in 11 matches across all competitions. Um, Dan, there, there's a lot of history between Chelsea and Atletico of late. Obviously, you know, Diego Costa has came across and now returned. Um, Torres left Chelsea to go back to Atletico where he started his career career and then even Courtois doing his two-year loan there as well it's um we're very familiar on and off the pitch I'd say with Atletico uh, and uh, and Felipe Luis, too, that's with right. The, uh, the one year in as uh, a left back uh, gets no time uh, under Mourinho, uh, pops back over to uh, Madrid the kind of following year. So th- there's been a lot of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, roster rotation almost feels like someone went crazy and uh, a FIFA manager career mode and was just kind of subbing between the two uh, the two clubs for a little bit. But yeah, you know, I, I think uh, the positive uh, Costa can't play. Um, also, you know, probably actually a benefit for uh, Madrid because he's probably a little uh, you know uh, out of peak physical condition <laughs> maybe in this exact <laughs> moment, uh, circa. 1516 uh, post celebration reference. The good news on our side, Nick, going into this is that Chelsea are also uh, on a nice little unbeaten run. Seven games since uh, the opening opening day loss to Burnley, and we've won six of them as well. Um, David Luiz is going to be rested. I know he's got a bit of a fractured wrist, but he'll be coming back to the heart of the defense. Um, you know, Morata is on a tear with eight goals in his last six matches for club and country. Like Tweed said, he's an ex-Real man, so he definitely doesn't like Atletico. Uh, you know, Chelsea have some good positives going into this, and I think that the biggest thing that we need is that discipline to sit back and stay tight defensively and not give them really anything going forward. Right. When you, and when you look at the group and how the how the strategy should play out, I mean, we have a six goal differential advantage right now. So as long as we don't go out and absolutely stink up the place, I mean, we, we have a really good shot of 
um, using that goal differential to our advantage. Um, you know, I would say that uh, I would look for our back five to be a lot more competitive, um, you know, against maybe some of their winger types like Carrasco um, than, uh, than maybe we were a few years ago. Uh, I think we have a lot more pace and power on the pitch and, and just a better squad overall. So uh, I think it'll be good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited, for, you know, for the litmus test, like Joe was saying as well, just to be able to see, you know, are we really improved? Are we able to, you know, get Conte off the schneid and, and win him his first knockout competition? And, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very, very interesting. But you would certainly you would certainly take a draw and, and hope for a win here. Yeah, I mean, thinking of players like Koke and Carrasco, you know, in their midfield, and then Antoine Griezmann up top, right? Like, it's going to be a busy, busy day for Chelsea. Um, But, you know, that's kind of the beauty of this competition. You play home and away leg, and uh, it's going to be really nice to see Chelsea back kind of in this huge European stage ready to go. So I'm super excited for this one. Again, it's going to be on Wednesday. Make sure not to miss it it's going to be great but uh, with that said anything else you guys want to touch on before we uh wrap this episode up uh dan no just uh I'm probably more excited uh for the home fixture of uh this uh, head-to-head so uh looking forward to that maybe a little bit more than this one coming up totally understandable because you're gonna be there <laughs> uh, nick what about you man um yeah, not not a ton. I, I'm I'm excited to to get back to Champions League. I, I do think there's something special there, and I'm very excited to take that in for the first time uh, on or in December as well. Yeah, that's going to be absolutely magical. Um, Tweeds again, our super sub last minute. Thanks so much. Uh, what about you, man? Yeah, I think just the, the same thing the guys have said. Really, I think uh, this week is is what I would consider to be sort of proper football. You know, you've got a really tasty European midweek game followed by an extremely difficult Premier League game so you know these are the fixtures that you live for as a fan you know two really really big games in a week so yeah I just hopefully uh, we can pick up uh, you know hopefully a draw or a win out in Atletico and, and steal something uh, against Manchester City so yeah perfect No, I think that that is the way we've all got it written out in our minds. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, thank you again so much for listening. It's going to be another big week for Chelsea, but that's what we love about it. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us. 